You're listening to the Golden Mike Podcast with me, the noise of the North, Dan Mano. This is a podcast about the lake life and toad water sports, focusing on pro wakeboarding and its athletes. My goal is to give listeners a chance to take a journey into the lifestyle and times of me, my peers, and the people we meet along the way. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the Golden Mike Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and uh, stoked for another great episode here. We spent the day uh, hanging out with our, our guest, who we're going to get to here in just a few moments. But uh, first things first, the season is upon us, folks, and uh, we've already had a handful of events, and with many, many, many more events to come throughout the next few months in the King of Wake series and uh, the Malibu Rider Experience, just to name a couple. By now, I hope you've all subscribed to us on iTunes, but don't forget to check out the site www.noiseofthenorth.com with new content going up each and every week, including links to my iwake.com blog, photos, and even some cool video content that we've been creating over the past couple of weeks as well. I've been having so much fun the last couple of months building the site and working with the athletes, but I still want your input. Email us with your thoughts, suggestions, and comments to goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Well, on to today's show. In our sport, it seems in terms of making it, there are two main ways being a great contest rider, or a respected free rider. Obviously, it's the dream to go out there and get paid to ride and never do a contest, but with the exception of guys like Randall Harris, there aren't too many people who can do that in this day and age. When it comes to contests, you have to have your head on straight. These days, you don't only need to be good, you need to stand up, and you need to stand up in that clutch moment. If you want to be the best and win, you can't fall. To compete with the best, you have to train like the best, and I think this week's guest has proven that over the last couple of seasons. This week, I'm lucky enough to catch up with a gentleman who I'm sure has quite the travel schedule right now. Uh, My guest, well, stuck a 1080 in one of the world's biggest contests not too long ago at the Masters uh, uh, at the end of May. He's gotten... Uh, he's got to own some of some real estate on the King of Wake podiums by now. Among a long list of titles, he is the two-time and current reigning world champion. Today in, well, it's not in the studio, but we'll get to that in a few moments. But today we've got the bone crusher, Rusty Malinowski. What's up, Russ? How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for, for coming out here, man. Um so the Bone Crusher is here with us today, and I've known Rusty for, for a long time, and over the past few years, I feel like uh, you and I have become closer friends and co-workers, and Rusty is a big supporter of me and what I do, from the announcing to the charity efforts over the years, so obviously, I thank him very, very much, and actually, Rusty had asked me to officiate at his wedding a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, unfortunately... I had lost my grandma right around the, that same time, and so I had to be home with my family. But it was cool. You had Sean Murray out, and he was able to to step up to the plate. And and uh, Russ, I'm sure Sean did a great job for you guys on that, huh? Yeah, he did. It would have been uh, awesome to have you, but under the circumstances, I understand that you 
couldn't make it, but Murray uh, did quite quite well. And Russ, you're a family man, uh, beautiful wife, Lindsay, and, and two children. And uh, I just saw on social media, I don't know if it was like last week or something, that Merrick, your son, graduated already from kindergarten. Kindergarten, going on to grade one. So how was that? It was cool. It was, uh, you know, it's cool. It seems crazy to think how fast time flies. Everyone always says that. And then you have kids and then you really understand how fast time flies. Um, it's you unbelievable. Know, six so, years old already. So. Six years old. Wow. And I actually remember when you when you and Lindsay announced that uh, Merrick was coming, we were we were on a hyperlight trip in Georgia. Feels that, like yesterday. It, it, <laughs> honestly, it does. It, it boggles my mind how quickly the time time goes by but nonetheless hey um thank you for having us out here normally we're in the studio loft in dr phillips florida but today rusty's actually invited us to his his house his humble abode <laughs> to uh to record and i'm uh, already i'm liking the acoustics in here yeah it sounds good right you didn't know i had a studio huh <laughs> no well we we kind of brought the studio out here but um hey thank you that before most shows i don't get time to take a swim or hop in the hot tub well i want you to be comfortable so well yeah exactly i'm, I'm like pampering before the golden Mike podcast <laughs> and i felt really bad about what you went through at the gym so yeah rusty invited me out to the to Cla uh claremont crossfit today and that was my first time i've been talking for a year about coming out and working out with you and how'd you think i did i mean you did you did all right for your very first uh, time but i mean we can uh we got some room to grow and you know what i'm good with that i agree with you and let's do it i'm gonna be gone most of the summer but Let's start a regiment this September, October-ish. That'd be great. What do you think, a month and I could have a six-pack? Mm, depending on uh, how consistent you were. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Two months. Two months. All right. Well, guys, make sure you check out the uh, video content from my day with Rusty Malinowski at Claremont CrossFit at www.noiseofthenorth.com. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get into it with the Bone Crusher in just one moment here on the Golden Mike Podcast. But first... A quick word from some of our supporters. Well, it's no secret, grassroots contests are some of my favorite events to announce, and I truly appreciate grassroots brands for trying to be a part of our sport. Gnarly One is an action sports apparel company based on all things gnarly. Stand out in the crowd, be proud of who you are, chase your dreams, be the gnarly one. Check them out online at www.gnarlyone.com. Hey, and we're back. We're sitting here with Rusty Malinowski, the Bone Crusher, and uh, Rusty, three major events into the season already. You've podiumed at them all. I got to say, nice work, sir. Thank you. Yeah, um, not quite at the very top yet, but a couple of seconds and a third. And I mean, like you said before, it's a super long season, so a uh, good start, and uh, hopefully the wins will come. Yeah, absolutely. And the last major contest that we had was the Masters. We've had a few, we've had a couple of weeks off since, but I got to say, man, that 1080 you landed in finals was unbelievable. Seriously. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, you know, still uh, not a, a guarantee no matter what, but uh, at the Masters, it came down to it was really, uh, you know, a a pressure situation where I literally needed to land that right then and there to have a chance at the win or even, you know, the podium. So 
it um it worked out and it was probably one of the cleanest 1080s i've ever done in competition only in 2014 do you do you land a 1080 in a contest and, and not win it was it's yeah unreal. i mean i did have the fall on the mute mob so i understand where the judges were coming from but uh you know, had I not had that bobble, that would have been a pretty sweet uh, way to win. <laughs> you got to give you got to give Harley credit for that double tantrum in his run. That takes some guts. No, definitely like third trick, first pass, uh, throw a double tantrum is pretty uh, risky move, and he uh, stuck it. That was really it was cool because he was before me and Phil, so he uh, you know he put, he was putting the pressure on us, and you know he started thinking you're like wow, but uh, it worked out all right. Yeah, well, congratulations on the podium. I know you would have liked to have gotten back-to-back Masters titles, but uh, as an announcer, I have to say that was that was one of the finest moments I think I've seen in, in quite some time. That was just, just yeah, each getting, guy stepping it up from the next. It was unreal. Getting to watch the video of, of that weekend, um, there was a lot of excitement in the stands coming around for that double up, and when I landed, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I may have gotten a little crazy on the microphone too, but it, it makes for a good sound bite. <laughs> I hope sure somebody does. got it. They call you the bone crusher. No, you call me the bone crusher. <laughs> <laughs> I into my next question. How did you get how did you get that nickname? You tell me. <laughs> that was all you. <laughs> well, you know, okay, I admit it. I came up with the the nickname. I think it was the first time I announced master, so it must it must have been 9 years ago, but I mean, it, it's it's kind of got its place and it's sort of stuck. I mean, it's, how does that fare for you? Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. And, um, it's all right. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Hey, and you know, and it's funny though, because a lot of people will look at you and think that you're a, a very intimidating person, but once you get to know you, you, you're, you're an awesome dude. I mean, for the sport, you go out, you shake everybody's hands. I see it so many times where people like be standing there wanting to talk to you. Yeah, I can tell when someone and they're like, maybe too whatever, don't want to, maybe it's weather interrupt or anything, but I usually try to, if I see someone like that, I'll try to go up to them and talk to them. Or sometimes I will just interject and be like, hey, Rusty, this is uh, a right. fan. Definitely. Russ, you grew up in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, Canada, and from what I know, it's pretty much a hockey town, well, Canada in general. Um, I know you used to play quite a bit of hockey yourself, and you were pretty good at it. But how did you break out of, of playing hockey and how did you get into wakeboarding? Well, growing up, uh, obviously, where I grew up is that, like you said, everyone plays hockey and you start playing hockey when you're like three years old or whatever. And I don't know, by the time you're 17, 16, 17, if you're not, you know, gonna or really pursue it or be drafted or whatever, and um, you're just kind of over it. So I still loved playing hockey and whatnot but first time I stepped on a wakeboard it was like a lot cooler and funner than anything else that I'd ever done or was doing yeah I remember a few years ago I say a few years ago it's probably 10 by now but I remember uh you and Chad actually getting invited to play in a triple a or something game here in in Orlando yeah Mike Ferraro's buddy was the coach and Mike uh told him that he had a couple guys that would be willing to play and they needed players so uh, me and Chad got to go out and play a few games with them it was pretty cool and then did they offer you a contract <laughs> oh we could have kept playing but it was a uh, I don't know there's a big commitment yeah and and yeah. I just wanted to wakeboard 10 times a day so so there's a, a player's code in hockey um it's it seems like many times on the ice it's it's all about business and one guy might just punch some dude in the face 
But off the ice, it seems like attitudes towards players change and the guys can go out and party and hang out. Um, how does that compare to the on-water, off-water relationship in wakeboarding? Is it is anything similar? Yeah, people people can't, you know, it seems weird for people to think that, you know, we compete against each other every weekend, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of people live together and, I mean, you need people to ride with, so we're riding together and traveling and, you know, it... Of course, at the you know on the dock, everyone is there for one reason. That's to try to win. So it's not like you're rooting against anyone. You just you're there and you want to beat whoever's in your heat or win the final. So it's really no big deal because when it comes down to it, you're the only one that can do it. It doesn't matter if um, you know what I mean. It doesn't matter if what the situation is when the when you hop off the dock. It's all up to you. No doubt. So as far as action sports go. Um... And I, when we're talking about Humboldt, Saskatchewan kind of being a hockey town. So what's kind of mind-boggling to me is how you're not the only action sports star from there. Your brother has actually had a little bit of, of success in the world of action sports. Can you touch a little bit on that? Yeah, Robbie, he races uh, snowmobiles, races snowcross, and he's made a you know a career and a living at it for 10 years or so now. And um that's more realistic coming from where we came from because we used to ride snowmobiles to school and stuff. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he's had a lot of success and he's a world champion in his sport. So it's, uh, it's been cool. Your folks have got to be proud. A couple of, of world champs, huh? Yeah, definitely. Um, they, they are for sure. Um, it's, uh, it's not, it's not weird to us because all we were doing is just doing what we loved, you know? It's yeah. Not, well, that makes it that makes it that much better. Yeah, so it wasn't like I was like, oh, hopefully one day I can be a professional wakeboarder. It was just wakeboarded, trying to get better and better, just trying to learn tricks and just it was like anything. It was no different between me and my buddies or my brothers. If there was a a rock, who could throw the rock the furthest, or right. who you know what I mean? Who could go the furthest on the or hitting the jump on your bmx bike who could jump the furthest or whatever it was so always pushing each yeah, other we, to that next level when we started wakeboarding as a group of us we were all just trying to get better and it obviously worked out for you <laughs> worked out <laughs> well it, you moved to florida in about oh two oh three ish right that was actually right about the same time i had moved down to florida um what was it like? What was it like back then? And did you ever see yourself growing into what I would say to be one of the main faces of our sport? Um, the the big picture, the goal was never to do anything. Like I literally loved wakeboarding so much that I and I knew I had to be in Florida to to pursue this dream. So when I moved here, all I literally was just it was amazing to me that we could ride it basically as long as it wasn't raining too hard you could ride all day every day the whole year and you know like the first year i moved down here i never even like wore a wetsuit ever people would be wearing a wetsuit and i was like sure so nice i'm for, you know <laughs> being from chicago yeah. i i got down here and i just laugh at people but i'm a huge wimp now so yeah me too yeah, <laughs> nowadays know. nowadays it's like yeah, definitely. It's 80, and I'm like, all right, wetsuit top. 70, I'm like, all right, spring suit. <laughs> yeah, it feels like literally a couple of weeks ago, I was still a little bit chilly riding the one morning, and it's strange. <laughs> yeah, especially since it's like 105 degrees out right now. Yeah. And it was like 130 degrees in your gym. <laughs> <laughs> no AC. I was, I was just thinking about the workout, and I started sweating today. <laughs> um, 
When was the moment things started to click for you in your career when you went from just a stock rider, like a guy who, who knew uh, a handful of uh, sevens and mobs to, to the elite competitor you're at today? I, I, I mean, I feel like it just happens when you get your first like legitimate pro win. And, um, and when was that for that you? That was in Reno, maybe 2005-ish, would have it been? And was that the U.S. National? No, it was a pro tour stuff. Pro tour. And that was actually when you landed the 1080 for no, the no, first no, time? No, no, Oh, that was a few years prior. No, yeah, way, way back. Like, way back. Ike got second, I believe. It was... Um, that may have been the year before I started announcing contests, because I actually started King of Wake in 2006. I announced nationals in 05. Yeah, I think it was probably 2005 when I won my first Pro Tour stop. And then it's just like the confidence and it's like the, the belief that you can do it and you've done it. And like the pressure's kind of off in a sense that you, you're chasing a win or like that's what your goal, you want to win and it finally happens. And it was, a, it was right around that same time that you were living with and training with uh, Danny Harf, right? Yeah, living with Dan, uh, Danny and Chad. So, in, uh, so that probably added a little bit uh, of fuel to the fire, uh, riding with guys like that who were... Well, they're just so right at that particular time. Like, I mean, those are the guys that were the best, you know? I mean, at that time, Danny was winning a lot and, you know, getting to ride with the guy that's winning and just watching both of them how good they are and right you know you you got danny harf who is you're you not know. gonna do are you're not gonna do the four-time thing are you? no no <laughs> good danny harf takes, is the, takes too long well you got danny harf who is you know one of obviously most decorated riders but also it, he's not just a contest rider the guy is right. is an innovator he's invented tricks and even still today he continues to push the sport and then you've got chad sharp who another veteran who is not afraid to put his body on the line to progress the sport. Yeah, like Chad used to, I mean, hitting double-ups back then, I feel like that's probably why I, you know, love hitting double-ups so much to the day now. It was just like, that was normal for us to be riding and do a double-up at each end of the lake, you know? Every set. Every Yeah, literally every time you'd get to the end, you'd just ask for a left or right double-up, whether it was... You know what I mean? Whether it was just hitting it and not doing anything or just trying something. You're one of the first members of the 1080 club. You know, it went um, Parks Bonifay Parks and then Danny. Danny Harf. And then I were you number three? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Fox did an ad. I remember a pretty cool ad after I landed it. They did like the three of us or whatever. So did living with Danny and at that time, I think you were even, what, neighbors with Parks. Yeah, because Parks lived across so did that did did that help push you to get the 1080? Do you think it's no? I I just learned how to hit a switch toe side double up, and I've always been able to uh, land blind really well. So it was really not like you know what I mean. It was learn how to hit a switch toe side double up, learn how to do a switch toe seven, then a switch toe nine, and then it literally was just a, okay. And now switch toe ten. So. The evolution of a trick for sure. Do you see yourself taking it past 1080? Yeah, I've just been really, really close a bunch of times on the 1260, but it's uh, never happened for me yet. But I haven't, I mean, I've tried a bunch, but um, yeah, I haven't made it happen yet. You're you're not that old of a guy. I don't, you're not even 30 yet, right? I am 30. You're, you're just 30. Mm -hmm. um, still, you're not that old, but as far as... Not that as old in general, but kind of old for wakeboarding now, I guess. 
Well, on tour, you're you've got to be. I mean, it's got to be like Darren, you. I mean, uh, and Darren's got twelve years, ten years on you, or something like that. But I mean, you've got to be in the top five of the oldest guys riding on on the tour right now. But yeah, at the like same me time, and Dean and yep, Dean Smith is one of them. Um, but you still continue to to progress in your riding. You're still learning new tricks. You're still you're still getting on that podium each and each and every week. I mean, how like how do you do that? I don't. It's I to be honest with you, I don't really know. It it seems weird because you know most times as you're getting older, you it's it's harder to keep going and being on the top, being a top guy and whatnot and. Um, I just think I've always been driven and, and now it's like funny cause when I started wakeboarding, I wanted to like, I was obviously young or whatever. I wanted to, to, to be where I'm at now. And that, like, I use that, you know, the fuel to drive me to be like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And now it's like, I use that. I'm an old, I'm one of the older guys yeah. and now I'm like prove I'm using this as like fuel to the fire to like prove that doesn't matter. Do you, and do you see yourself continuing to just keep going for for some time? Do you like do you yeah, see yourself being at this level in your forties? Or it's funny because wakeboarding is the easiest ever, easiest it's ever been for me now. Um, physically, I'm I'm in probably the best shape that I've ever been in, ever. So, you know, as long as as long as I'm still having fun, which I am, I don't have. There's no reason why I won't keep doing what I'm doing. Very cool. Um, where where would you say that you get your winning drive from? I mean, there's no question that you, when when you arrive to a contest, and I'll, I'll say this, and hopefully I won't offend you. A few years ago, you'd show up to a contest, and I, I'd be a little bit nervous to talk to you before you hit the water. You know, nowadays you, things have mellowed out, and it seems like you're a lot more you're a lot more um, leveled as as far as competing goes. Um, but where does that all stem from? You don't come to a contest just to shake hands. I mean, you when you you aren't going to come to a contest if you're not coming to win. Right. I mean, obviously, it probably goes back to you know growing up in a small town and having older brothers and just you know the competitiveness of racing motocross, playing hockey, and doing all that um, as a kid that. It, it blows my mind. Like if you're going to go to an event, you go there to win. Right. I mean, it doesn't work out every time for sure. No, of course. But if you leave it on, if you leave something on the table and that's what I, I don't do anymore. Not at all. I, I, you know, I'll, if I have a perfect run and I don't win that, that's, you know, that's, that is what it is. But I did what I like I said I was going to do these tricks and I did it. That's all I can do. Before it was maybe if I held back or something or questioned if I should do this trick and then fall or what, you know, whatever it is. But now I just lay it all on the line, go and stick to exactly what I say I'm going to do. And when, when I land and do, you know, most times if I, if I land and do what I say I'm going to do, I'll be, uh, you know, that's when I'll be at the top of the podium. Let's say you're, you're last off the dock, which does happen, you know, often. I mean, usually, you know, there's no question. You look at the results over the past couple of years and, 
and the final three riders in just about every final, it's going to be Harley, you, and Philip. Um, if you're last off the dock, and let's say Philip and Harley both just laid down two stand-up runs, does your run change, or do you go out there and th- put down what you? Yeah, 100%. It doesn't change. And that's why I even started doing this year, just in, in the earlier rounds, just doing doing a, a hard run. And, you know, it makes no difference. We we ride every day and we do those tricks every day. So what is the difference if we do it on a Saturday in heat four? You know what I mean? Sure. Who cares? Just go and do the tricks that you can that you've done a million times. I get the situation's a little bit different, a little more stress, and conditions aren't always as good as they are at home, but who cares? Go for it. Let's talk about conditions real quick. Um, now, I grew up as a show skier. I did ski shows, so whether it was white capping or glass calm, it was normally white capping on my lake, right. but we had to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that affect you? It, it, like, you know, in some of the biggest events, I, I actually, I remember uh, those Taiga Pro-Ams back in the day when we were in the ocean. In the Keys. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how does, nowadays, how does that affect you? I mean, are you able it's to funny, perform? It's funny, like or? when it's really, I mean, we have good conditions a lot of the time, but we also sometimes have really, really bad conditions. And when it's really bad, it's funny, it's like there's no pressure because it sucks out so bad that if you fall on a nine or something not that big a deal not a big surprise to you or the people the other people so i, I kind of like it it's like who cares there's no pressure because of how challenging it is out there and if you can stick stick some of those hard tricks it's it's awesome cool um well hey man really glad we got some really cool stuff going on right here and i hate to cut you off but we're going to take a a real short break and in just one moment we'll be right back with the bone crusher rusty monowski here on the golden mike podcast are you the ultimate wakeboard fan then you need to download the wake scope app follow wake events worldwide and get the full breakdown by heats tricks get rider rankings and much more download the wake scope app available in the app store well, I want to say it was it was a lot of fun. We got out here a little early today and uh, stopped over at Claremont CrossFit and had a little workout, a WOD, a workout of the day with, with Rusty Malinowski. Russ, can you talk a little bit about your involvement in CrossFit? Well, obviously, for people that don't know, uh, me and Kyle Rattray, uh, just over a year ago, opened our own CrossFit here in Claremont. Um, you know, right now, it's very busy schedule with wakeboarding, so not able to be able to be there nearly as much but in the off season you know we're uh for i mean kyle's 100 percent very involved he does a ton but um you know we have a full-time employee and uh kyle's brother's been down helping us out so you know when when i'm home i'm i'm there uh, i try to be there you know in the morning and then if uh, we're not shooting or anything, if my riding's done for the day, I try to spend some time there in the evening as well. And since you talked about Kyle Rattray, I'm going to bring him up on this next on this next question. Uh, unquestionably, over the last 365 days, over last year's King of Wake season, um, I've seen less falls from you and Kyle Rattray in your runs, event after event after event. In fact, Kyle... And I don't know if it was for the first time ever in his career, but I know for a fact that he made top 10 on King of Wake last year. How much do both you and Kyle uh, credit 
this new CrossFit lifestyle to, to how well you're riding right now? Well, I mean, it's, I don't, I wouldn't call it a CrossFit lifestyle. I would call it, we happen to own a CrossFit gym, but me and Kyle, um, what most people don't probably don't realize is like, you know, we're, we're there for it. I explain it best. Like now we actually like have something to do because in the past you, all you really had to do if you were home was just maybe ride once or twice. And now it's like with the family, the gym and riding there's, it's like a, there's a schedule to it and it's um all like the gym stuff and all that is like, like it's, you know, it's not easy. So it's like work, but your time on the water is like so much. It's like almost like your free fun time now. So it's where you could get burnt out on riding too much or whatnot. Now it's like exciting and it's like kind of brought a fresh, a breath of fresh, fresh air back into it where you can, you know, okay, awesome. Let's go ride now, go to the gym, work out, whatever, go ride again, go back to the gym, do, you know what I mean? It's, um, I feel like that's the biggest thing. Well, between, between two kids, a wife, a gym and travel. And, and just so, uh, for the listeners out there, Rusty landed yesterday, I think at like six o'clock, he gave me a call to let me know that he was back in town and you fly out tomorrow. Yeah. Again. I'm home eight days this month. You're home eight days this month. So when, when are you wakeboarding? That's, that's what I want to know. That's just so funny. I was talking to a friend back in Canada today and we were just talking and he said how busy, I was telling him how busy I was and whatever. And I said, it's, it's kind of ironic that you, you, what got me to this point? I don't have, I don't literally have time to do anymore because of what, because of like the travel and the obligations for wakeboarding. You have to be mentally confident and just knowing that you're, you're dialed in and yeah. if you don't get, you know, the week of riding before or something that you're going to be able to just, sure. you know, perform, fly in and get there and perform and, and kind of just be right back on where you're supposed to be. Right. A lot of that is the off season, you know, making sure you're super dialed so that when it gets crazy like this, you, you're dialed in. It's about, it's about the lake life. It's about spending as much time out in the water as possible. The reason we got into it, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you had a little stint on uh, TV last year with, <laughs> with Bob and Phil, and I don't want to talk too much about that, but um, I do want to talk about American Ninja Warrior. I heard a rumor that you tried out. What happened? Yeah, I'm, I, it was a really cool experience. Um, Did you make it? Well, I don't know. We have to check it out when it airs. Oh, I see what's going on here. So, so you you've signed a contract saying that you're not allowed to talk, huh? No, I just don't remember what happened. <laughs> yeah, right. Now that we've gotten through all the the nitty gritty stuff here, we're almost finished. But I do have a couple of fan questions for you. Um, and these are from some of your neighbors, not on the lake, but these are from some of the neighbors. Uh, I talked to the Warall family, um, and I asked them if they could, uh, create some questions for us. And, um, actually, oh, actually, this is the first question comes to us from not a Warall. This comes from another wakeboarder, a grommet, Thomas Herman, who's part of the Fox Jr. team. And he wants to know, do you ever get annoyed with fans coming up to you? No, never. Absolutely not. Actually, it's like kind of nice if you get done riding or say you like screw up. It's like cool that you're like, okay, sweet. People still want to talk to me even though I screwed up. (laughs) So no, never do I ever get annoyed. 
I I was always nervous to talk to you when you fell, but I don't <laughs> I don't really see that happening these days. Oh, ex- try not to fall. <laughs> yeah, except uh, except for when you slip on the Rockstar Rail. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't slip on it. I literally dropped the handle. <laughs> I and saw you do that that's last mind year. Mind I did it last year and I did it in Ackworth. Yeah, it was the uh, first stop this year, the Pro Tour in, in finals. Rusty comes through back lip slide on the handle past ninety out and drop the handle. Just drop the any and you were still riding away and yeah. Um, what happened? You just lose focus. Pressure? No, well, I don't know. I just I just whatever. I dropped the handle. It was funny though. You like you know some riders would have just snapped and I saw you out there and you just kind of went down. You still smile and you're like whatever. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, pressure was on though. Last chance, one ride left. <laughs> Gromit Tyler Warall asks what score do you typically shoot in golf well before i had the crossfit gym when i got time to golf i was uh mid 80s mid 80s high 80s can you guess what i typically shoot 110 ish and the funny thing about that is i only play nine holes (laughs) so (laughs) yeah i have trouble i would say high 80s high 80s Mm -hmm. Nice. So, have you played with uh, Have you played with some of the Gromit riders? I have not. You should. You know these oh, guys. They're, they're really good golfers. I don't know. It seems like golfing has become the the pastime. Yeah. Of a majority of our sport now. Definitely. And uh, Reese Warall asks you, "What is your favorite food?" Sushi, for sure. So, how many rolls on average? It gets so expensive, like, <laughs> um, like me and a few other boys go out and like usually like eight rolls to yourself. No, like <laughs> to the table. <laughs> well, uh, I know that you and I were on a fox trip last year. We went uh, to Minocqua, Wisconsin, to ski and well, did a show with the Minocqua bats, and I know some autograph signings with the uh, Glicks. Yep. And we were sitting in the fox bus. And I had my dad with me on this trip, and it was funny. And he walked in and. You were just you were just eating egg white, egg whites like eggs. You probably ate I, I don't know. You probably ate a dozen eggs that day. Yeah, that was that's unbelievable. The amount of food you can intake, Russ, and you're still like, what are you right now? Two hundred pounds? Well, uh, like one ninety five. One ninety five. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like two twenty five. That's unreal. I, at my biggest, I was one seventy five. Yeah, a big height difference though. Yeah, big height difference. Now, hey, just so everybody knows, though, and I'm I'm down to about 150, 155, depending on how much uh, Hagen does I go through in an evening. <laughs> but, um, well, Russ, before, uh, before we finish up here, what's your plan for the rest of the summer? Events, demos, uh, appearances. Where are you going to be? Yeah, we we do uh, on every Sunday after the Pro uh, Mastercraft, uh, Mastercraft Pro Wakeboard Tour, we do the Mastercraft demo days or whatever. So every Sunday for the rest of the pro tour. Then I'm doing a hyperlight experience, the trip or whatever that I'll be with uh, one of the reps on for about a week. And then obviously competing in all the King wake stops, uh, world's nationals, um, the rest of the Mastercraft pro wakeboard tour. And then the other event here in Orlando. How about a uh, little sponsor love? Yeah. Anybody you're you looking got some sponsors? No? Well, I, I, I've got some supporters, but how about you? No, I have I have some supporters too. <laughs> Couldn't be doing it without them. So, who do you want to thank? Anybody out there? Uh, of course, thank uh, Masscraft, Body Glove, Rockstar, Hyperlight, Roswell, 
performance, Claremont CrossFit. So hope I didn't forget anyone. I hope I hope people take advantage and come and see you. Do you give a deal if somebody like let's say a wakeboard fan listens to this and they want to come and get a session at Claremont no, I'll CrossFit? Talk to Kyle about that. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Cool. Um, and social media. Where yeah, where you at? Twitter, uh, Rusty Malinowski. Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram. I'm a fan page on Facebook. Very cool. Well, uh, once again, I want to thank Rusty Malinowski for being my guest this time on the Golden Mike podcast. And I want to let everybody know that I'm going to be at the WWA Malibu Boats Rider Experience the next couple of weekends. Uh, first, this coming weekend in Atlanta, Georgia, actually in Ackworth, Georgia, back out on Lake Alatoona. And then the uh, second stop of the Malibu Rider Experience is in California, and that's right around the San Francisco area. I'm going to close out the uh, month of June with you, Rusty, at the second stop of the Mastercraft Pro Wakeboard Tour, and that's going to be at the Mossdale Quarry in Lathrop, California, and I'm looking forward to that. Russ, thank you once again so much for coming out here. I, I truly appreciate it. You're you're an ambassador uh, for, for wakeboarding, and uh, I appreciate what you do. And, of course, your sponsors and the fans all appreciate it. And we will definitely have you back here with us for another interview sometime after the the summer is over. And for you fans out there, uh, you guys can see all my dates, appearances, and events on my website, noiseofthenorth.com. Make sure you email us at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. And of course, on Twitter at the golden underscore Mike. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Dano T Mano and on Twitter at the Dano T Mano. Had a great time chatting it up and catching up with Rusty Malinowski today. And I hope you folks found it interesting and insightful. And if not, let me know with an email and I'll uh, send it to the bone crusher immediately so he can find you and uh, change your mind. Guys, until next time, I'm Daniel the Mano, the Noise of the North, and this is the Golden Mike Podcast. Peace.